Welcome to another edition of the Social Proof Podcast. We find dope people that did dope stuff. Today is no different, man. This guy started before the podcast even started. Walking in my business, talking about, hey, what's the revenue model? How are you going to make 20 million? What? Bill? <laughs> Hauser, what's up, man? Dude, I'm excited about this. And like I was telling you, I want this, this specific episode to be about how the person listening right now can make $20 million from this. How the person listening can make $20 million from this. Yep. How are we going to do that, Bill? Well, listen, at the end of the day, you're, you're, you're the master interviewer, mm-hmm. right? But we got to talk about money. Like we got to talk directly right in the face and we got to stare the boogeyman in the face and talk about money. How do you get the money? How do you multiply the money? Got you. All right, let me qualify this. Yep. Your, tell me about your business and like some, some targets that you've hit. Yep. So, uh, you know, I'll, I'll kind of bring, all right, I'll start with where we're at. So two months ago, I received a $45 million offer for uh, a VC-based company to buy our business, uh, which mm. started uh, four and a half years ago. Hold on. Two days ago, whoa, 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 I turned whoa, whoa, 31. Whoa, 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 <laughs> Bill. You started a business four and a half years ago. Yeah. And today, they're offering you $45 million for it. Yep. Which I turned down in five seconds. Because <laughs> the, tar- the target, the target is 256 million by 2026. Where do you get the 256 from? Math equation I did at my lowest point in life on an Excel spreadsheet. Wrote out exactly what my revenues would be for the next 10 years of my life. And what was that number? 256. 256 million. 256 million dollars in annual revenue by 2026. All right, let's get into it. What do you mean by low period? Like, where were you? Yeah. Um, so I come from like most people you've interviewed, uh, not, not so positive place. Um, you know, I think the best thing that ever happened to me was when I received suicide notes from both my parents. Um, when we went bankrupt in 2008, your parents Um, sent you suicide notes. Yeah. I found my mom's suicide note. Actually, my mom had a suicide note. Um, my dad has suicide video. Um, which I can explain. But yeah, in my computer room, um, I found a suicide note for my mom. Uh, this is before we went bankrupt in 2008. Um, I didn't really know how to process it. I thought it was a joke. And turns out it wasn't. She was actually on the brink of taking her own life. Um, fast forward past the 2008 recession, um, I ended up um, you know, seeing a video my dad moved out with my mom and, um, you know, we went bankrupt and he ended up moving in with this other woman. And one day he called me after two years of, uh, us not talking and was flipping out. And the lady that he was living with had her phone out. And after we hung up that phone call, um, he, she sent me a video of her filming and he had a gun to his head during the whole phone call. Um, that what? I had with him. And he was, he was screaming, you know, he was a lot of blame around what happened in his life and us going bankrupt and alcoholism. And, um, and yeah, I got texted that video and I saw literally the words he was saying during that phone call with him. He had a gun to his head the whole time. And when I got sent the video, I thought he shot himself. Um, but it turns out um, he didn't. He, he turned that gun towards the woods in the backyard of the house he was at and um, wanted a second chance. And 
when I experienced this, I went through years of just terrible anxiety. Um, I was formally diagnosed with anxiety disorder. Mm. Um, and I was seeing the only person I was being honest with in my life was my psychologist. Um, I, not I, even yourself. No, not even myself. Yeah, I was being all tough. You know, I was kind of class clown, hiding it from everyone. When I opened up about it, I wrote a book called Worry 180. And everyone was completely shocked um, that I was experiencing this crazy anxiety. And all of it essentially wrapped up. You'll see how this ties into my 10-year plan and having a clear financial goal. Um, it all came down to the fact that my parents didn't have clear financial goals. Um, they played the whole game like most people do, where it's noble to not talk about money. They never talked about their money. They never talked about their growth goals for their business. They put it under the rug. My dad was making a mill, two mil a year through a paving company, which really means we weren't making anything because he was profiting 10% of that. So it's just an average 200K income. Um, and we lost everything. He went, you know, million dollars in debt when the recession hit. Um, and that caused me to go into deep reflection. Why did this happen? They didn't have clear money targets. Um, my dad was targeting a vertical, a business uh, area, paving, which was res not recession-proof. Uh, that's why I love what Marcus teaches, Marcus Barney, is because he talks all about recession-proof. So vital. You got to choose the right vehicle so that the niche you're serving doesn't dry up when people's wallets do. Mm. Um, and then... Well, let me ask you this. Are you saying, if I'm in a business that isn't recession-proof, do we just fight through it? Or do we change? Because there's some people that maybe they stick, they stick in it. Yeah. Some people could say real estate, yep. right? So real estate drops. Yep. What do you do? So like, here's the thing. All adversity is an opportunity. It's a core value of my company. We have 50 full-time W-2 employees at, at my company. Um, and we live and die by the core value. Adversity is an opportunity. Mm -hmm. So every time there's an adversity, of course, there's going to be opportunities. There's also a limit to that though. At some point, like there's going to be a limit to how you leverage adversities and turn them into opportunities. For example, okay, uh, fitness studios. When COVID hit, uh, there was no demand for fitness studios, right? And there was only so much you could do virtually. So there was a cap there. Restaurants, right? When COVID hit, so, a cap, right? The restaurant demand completely dried up. So yeah, you could get creative there, but there's a limit to it. And I serve lawyers. My, my, my entire business is built around serving lawyers, which is a recession-proof area of law. Like when people get into a car accident, doesn't matter if there's a recession, they're still going to call a lawyer, True. right? When people get arrested, they're still going to call a lawyer. It doesn't matter if there's a recession. So I serve a vertical of business that is recession-proof. Therefore, when COVID hit, um, I was able to capitalize on that. I was able to take my whole business to webinar-based model, um, which exponentially grew our business. Gotcha. All right. So tell me about your business and how you started. Did you start it out of, no, it's just four years ago. What was you doing before the, this business? Yeah, I was uh, cold calling um, business owners at yellowpages.com for 18 months. Really? So, yeah. That was my first job. I was, you know, 25 at the time. How do you know? 31. Yesterday was my birthday or two days ago. Yeah. 31? 31. Yeah. 37. And I'm... <laughs> I'm struggling in poverty right now compared to these things. <laughs> I know you're not. All right, so so okay, so you're you're thirty, you're you're thirty one now. Yep. And for eighteen months, you're cold calling. Yeah. 
businesses for yellowpages.com. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know Yellow Pages still existed. Yeah. At the time, it actually was its last ditch effort before it went bankrupt when I worked there. That, you killed it. Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. I sold too much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what, what, was the, what was the job? Like, what exactly were you doing? Yeah. So, like, the the reason I got into that job was because uh, when I graduated school, I I got a job at an insurance company. My whole family was proud. They're like, "Uh, Billy, you got this amazing degree, and now you're going to work at a big company. And uh, within two weeks of me joining the insurance company, I quit. Um, No no notice, just boom, quit. And um, I, I started writing this book about how I overcame anxiety disorder at that point in time called Worry 180. No one bought it. I spent eight months writing the book. Not one, pr- I think maybe my mom bought it, but like literally <laughs> no one else bought the book. Really? Um, so it completely flopped. So I, I had to look in the mirror and say, what skill am I missing that's causing this failure? And the skill was sales and marketing, right? So I went right for the lion's face and I tried the master sales. So I joined yellowpages.com, no sales experience. And started from the ground up, you know, mm-hmm. just started reaching out to construction companies and, uh, you know, uh, lawyers getting hung up on like 20 times a day. No, I'm not interested. It was the best lesson I ever learned was how to deal with rejection at rapid speed. What do you so, mean explain that? Oh my gosh. Like the, there is no greater asset than knowing that you can get rejected and nothing bad's going to come of it. <laughs> <laughs> because then everything is just complete upside opportunity yeah. from there. So, mm. you know, I, I run a, a talk show for lawyers. And when I first started reaching out to these big guests, um, I got rejected all the time. Um, you know, I reached out to, uh, oh my God, so Mark Cuban, like all these other crazy big names that everyone would know, like reject, reject, reject. And then I emailed Jordan Belfort one day and he's like, yeah, sure, I'll do it for free. And he just did my talk show, Wolf of Wall Street. Mm. Um, and then that created social proof for the next interview. And, you know, over the last two months, I've interviewed Magic Johnson, uh, Kevin O'Leary, Mr. Wonderful from Shark Tank, Damon John from Shark Tank. Um, and it all started from rejection. So can it's you, the same skill. You, real quick. Can you get them on this podcast? <laughs> I'll, I'm, I'll definitely I'm try. Serious, I'll try. I'm, you're yeah. laughing. I'm serious. You, you'll, you'll try. Yeah, I'll try. Because you just yeah. taught me you just got to ask. You got to go for it, yeah. man. Actually, just yeah. call him right now, bro. Let's yeah. go. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> if Neo didn't have my phone. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So so it it's it you've learned to not fear the rejection because there's an opportunity. Yep. What I know about this process, because mm-hmm. I I was actually in a position what two days ago. We we're at the I was at the Breakfast Club studio. And then I want to get on the Breakfast Club. Mm-hmm. And Charlemagne was there, Angela Yee was there. DJ Emmy was there. And they were all there. They're like, oh, what's up? What's up? What's up? I'm like, what's up? Mm-hmm. But I didn't ask anybody if I can get on the show. Mm. You got to go direct. I was, I'm, I'm in my head. This literally happened like two days mm-hmm. ago. So we know we should just face rejection, just go after it. But there's an emotional thing mm-hmm. that, uh, that is pre- preventing me from mm-hmm. doing that. How often do you meditate? I don't. Okay. So what meditation does, I've meditated every day for six years. And I, it's because I had to, because of my anxiety. What meditation taught me was the ability to see your thoughts and be unaffected by them. To, the ability to see your emotions and be unaffected by them. So like, mm-hmm. look at it like this. A lot of people think, I can't meditate because I can't stop thinking, right? You probably heard that before. That's true. Right? 
It's not about stopping thinking. It's about being unaffected by the thinking that's going to happen whether or not you meditate. It's the thinking's going to constantly keep happening. If you're unaffected by the thinking, you immediately get leverage over your thinking. So when I was overcoming anxiety, um, this is a skill I've used in business when I'm doing negotiations. Uh, I bought three businesses last year and, you know, uh, I, I've been through a lot of rapid negotiations in the last, you know, year or so. It's the same skill. It's the ability to see, oh, I'm scared about this. And then just smirk at it. Smirk at it like it's a little kid, you know, like, huh, I see that thought. I've had that before. It's not going to kill me. Okay, let's get back to business, right? Mm. It's just that little move on. You know, it's not even that. And maybe, ah, maybe I didn't think, wow, I'm afraid of this. Mm. I was just, man, I should, uh, I should ask. I, and then the moment passes. Mm-hmm. And then they're not right here anymore. They're standing over there. Yep, yep, and yep. I'm like, ah, <laughs> that's my yeah. opportunity. But they're literally like just like, 12 more steps away. But yeah. in my head, I'm like, ah, it, I don't want to seem a certain way. And yeah, I, I actually should have said something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's just a it's habit. It's actually helpful too. It's just a habit, right? The habit of anything I fear, I'm going to do. That's it. Super simple. If you just rewire your brain to fear is the great indicator, fear is the exact precise thing I should do, you'll, you'll be unstoppable. Right. And, and I'm learning this every day. I by no means have mastered this, but it's you will very often find I, I can't think of one case other than going chasing after a tiger or something crazy. I'm talking about like stuff that's going to benefit your life and you fear it. You should do that the second you fear it. Mm. Just right towards it, right in the face. Got it. Yep. Got, yo, I, I'm going to make like a little list after this. I'm going to make a, like a little list of things that I want to do that I'm afraid because now like it's running through my head, mm -hmm. right? I should yep. just, like I got to walk into an, an office and say, hey, who wants to sponsor this podcast? Yeah. Go, you know what I mean? Like, but I, I, the fear of being embarrassed or I guess I'm not really going to be embarrassed now that I think about it. Yeah. In your meditation, what are you doing? Yeah, I'm just, I'm letting, so basically what I do is- so Are you sitting, standing? I do, I sit. Yeah, I close my eyes. Legs folded or behind you? Um, just like this. Yeah, right. You know how you sit <laughs> on your knees and then your legs are behind you, or is it like folded? Very seriously, or you yeah. sit on the bed, or yeah, I, I just sit like this with my hands right on top of my on knees, a chair? just like this. Gotcha. Yeah, on a chair, on a sofa, um, and all I do, I do what's called resistance meditation. So what what I believe is what you resist persists, right? So what I'm trying to become aware of is gently, what am I resisting today? And that immediately becomes my priority list. All right, let's do some quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you can keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headache, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. 
with NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. It just makes sense. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit from NetSuite? I know you see it. Listen to me. If you have everything scattered in business, you cannot grow. And everything is more expensive when you have more and more processes layered on top of each other, more and more softwares. You got to get out of that. and it, it will improve efficiency and cut costs. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com slash social proof. That's NetSuite.com slash social proof. NetSuite.com slash social proof. I'm resisting today, and that becomes the priority. Yep. And you know what's funny is when you start identifying the things you resist, they're actually your priorities, right? So. I don't want to make this call. I don't want to reach out to this person. I don't want to make this investment in my business. Like, I don't want to, those, those should literally be the biggest resistance should be the top of your to-do list. So all I'm doing during my meditation is trying to become aware of what am I resisting today with a, with a smile on the face, you know, not, not, like, right? I'm just saying, what am I resisting today? Right. And then it just pops up and cool. I'll just pull out the notes on my phone, write it down. Um, what I found in meditation in six years of doing it is that if you can stare what you're thinking in the face, like almost pretend like your thoughts are right in front of your head, floating by, like cars on a road in front of you. Each thought, each thought is a car on that road. You see the car, you just label it, try to understand, hmm, what is that thought? Oh, yeah, I've had that thought before. And if it's a resistance-based thought, you're like eh, a little anxious about it. Maybe that needs to be a priority. It's that simple. Nothing Dang, else. This is good. Because I'll have all of these. I think what I'm missing is I'll have all these thoughts going through my head, but they're just thoughts, but I'm not intentionally labeling them. Yep. I have a thought like, what am I going to eat today? Oh, it's just food. Uh, that's that. That's going. But it's like just all this stuff that's going through my head, yep. but I don't in, I don't label them. And I guess I would imagine now that I'm, now I notice I'm, I'm actually going to do this, is that the things that I label, I probably push aside. Mm -hmm. Like the, the resistance. Yeah. I probably push them aside and then start to think about something easier. Yeah. Think about anything that's going to benefit your life. Usually it's not easier. Like <laughs> going, going to the gym. That is not the easier path. Right? Like uh, creating the studio you just created, the podcast studio that we're in right now. Like that's harder. That's not easier. What would have been easier is just keep doing it the way you've been doing it. Yeah. Right? So the path is the harder way. I like this, Bill. I like this. Yep. Okay. Building this. Okay. You're, you're, you're making calls mm -hmm. at the yellowpages.com. Yep. How do you, so tell me about the business model first, what you do, and I want to yeah, know yeah. how you started. So yellowpages.com, uh, I decided, keyword, decided to be the number one sales rep in the company and made it public which has been my secret sauce for every year in business. Like I don't, I don't consider things like I'm a public, I, I decide what it's going to be. And then I immediately make it public. 
case and I don't consider things. So yeah, that makes sense too. Okay. So, so all the sales reps hated me, uh, right? And I ended up becoming number one in the entire company, President's Club. And as soon as I won, a week after I, I won first place in the company, I quit because I learned that success without fulfillment is the ultimate failure. I literally felt like what I was selling was a ripoff to people. I didn't believe it. Wow. And within a week of me feeling that scary feeling in my stomach, I immediately quit. And that's when I started my company, SMB Team. So, Bill, I didn't think you were coming today. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie to you. So we're at this mastermind. And what you just said, you know, I don't consider things I decide. We're at the mastermind. And obviously, this mastermind, one, I've never been in a room like this, mm-hmm. okay? And there's like, everyone's doing 10, 20, 30, 40 million dollars a year. And I'm I'm talking to Bill and he like kind of talk about, you know, he got the, the acquisition offer. And I'm like, dang, I'd love that Bill on a podcast. So, like, we're talking and I'm like, man, I'd love to get you on a podcast. She's like, all right, let's do it. Mm-hmm. And I asked a bunch of people mm-hmm. and they said, okay, let's do it. And then you said, what do you want to do? I said, I mean, I shoot every Wednesday. He was like, all right, this Wednesday. And I'm like, cool, just hit me up, man. We can do it this Wednesday. I'm open. And I think you hit me back like, yo, uh, what time are we going to be done or whatever? And I'm like, this is happening. He's actually, he's really coming. I never, I never had nobody do that. By the way, we're in another room. You're going to fly from wherever you live to Atlanta to come to the studio. Like you literally, I, I watched you make a decision, but I wasn't thinking about it like mm-hmm. that until right now. Yep. I don't consider the, yo, there was mad people that, actually Jason just uh, texted me. I think it was mad people in that room that considered it. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I think I'd do it. Yeah. And maybe I consider interviewing you and mm-hmm. I didn't decide. Mm-hmm. I should have asked Timbaland. Yeah, 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 you should have. Yeah, Timbaland was in the room. Let me set the context here uh, for for those listening. So we we uh, me, David Shans, Marcus Barney, Neo. I mean, it was an absolutely stacked room. It's us and Grant Cardone for two straight days. We got mm-hmm. dinner with Grant two nights in a row. It was he labeled it an influencer mastermind. Um, and since we have a big brand for lawyers, I was honored to be invited. But I don't have the audience that David has or Neo's behind the camera right now. Uh, I don't have the audience that you guys have. I just have a very qualified audience. Um, but I was grateful to be in that room. And uh, what you're talking about, Timberland, Timberland was in the room sitting like three rows behind you for the yeah, entire Influencer sure. Mastermind, just so that everyone understands what he's talking about. So um, yeah. look, so Neil, Neil talks to him. He's just one of those. He makes the decision. He's like, yo, I'm going to have you on, you know, have you at my event. And... He pointed at me like, yo, I'm going to have Dave interview. And I was like, oh, that'd be dope. But then I left saying, I'm now relying on Neo to create the relationship when we're both in the same room. That's why he makes so much more money than me. Yep. I could have just said, yo, Timberland, let me make sure I get your information. But now I'm relying on yep. the executor to yep. execute for me. This yep. is, you don't know how much this is helping me. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, we all know this. I'm just speaking the voice in our head that we already know we need to act on, right? And I'm not perfect by any means, but to answer your original question as to how the business started and, and what we sell. Um, and this is what I really, really want to share. So if you're listening right now, like lean in, like really, really listen to this because my intention is to have you make $20 million from this. Right? Serious about that Just to be crystal clear. Let me, let me fix my um, posture. And I, mean, I, was, I think I was sponsored to so, it. He said, let me just get Like right. the first, there's, there's four phases in any business that I've identified. The first phase is the rainmaker phase. Hold on, because this okay. is just for the interview. The second phase is the demand phase. The third phase is the awareness phase. And the fourth phase is the management phase. Hold, hold on, because I got my notes out. Because right. 
I I need this. So number so one, rainmaker is demand, rainmaker, rainmaker demand awareness, and then management. Demand awareness. So awareness. it goes from sales to marketing to management in three in in those phases. So let me explain. So when you start a business, most people never escape the rainmaker phase. Rainmaker phase is where everything depends on you, your selling abilities, your product your relationships. Mm. Most people just stop there. That's usually going to be a two, three employee company. What it really is, is one talented person with a few helpers. And that's where most businesses just stop right there. That's the rainmaker phase. Now, depending on how expensive what you sell is, you could take the rainmaker phase to, I don't know, 400K a year, right? You Most people don't. Most people stop at 200K. If you look at the small business statistics, like most businesses are doing under $100,000 a year. I mean, you're basically quitting a job to have a lower paying job. Most people, when they start a business, <laughs> I mean, I'm serious. It, it's, it's, it's horrific for most business owners. So the rainmaker phase is where you must, I say should or must, I forget. Must. Okay, yeah, yeah. You must <laughs> collect excess money, capital. You have to grow your bank account to where you can invest in marketing, right? And then that brings us to the demand phase. So the rainmaker phase, the skill you must master is sales. Sales and charging enough money to where you're able to bank it. Uh, And you're only gonna end up with like max 100K in your bank account. Once you got 100K in your bank account, you're like, okay, I'm getting to the end of the rainmaker phase. Now we have to go out on a limb. And that's the demand phase. That's where we actually have to find a way to create demand for what we sell, whether that's the internet, whether that's through a different marketing vessel of sorts. What a big mistake people people make is they see people like Neo, Marcus Barney, and all these others that we were just with, and you, and they think, I'm going to do what Neo does. I'm going to do what David Chance does. I'm going to get all this awareness and create a big... And what happens is they don't have the capital or the resources that you do. They, they they're not able to create a studio. They're not able to... And what they should be focused on is demand-focused marketing. How close is the attention that I get and turning that into money? Well, most people, do, they want glamour. They want followers. They want all this crap that does not result in money, right? Mm. So they skip to the awareness phase, which is phase three, and that's a mistake. We need to embrace the demand phase. So I need to go a little deeper on this demand. Yeah. So. Let's say, for instance, okay. I have... Okay. Yeah, I'll give you one. I have a group. I have a morning meetup. Yep. Right? And it's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. So we coach every morning, Monday through Friday. And there's, you know, there's hundreds and hundreds of people in mm-hmm. it. We got over a thousand people in it. Um, how do I create demand for that? Mm-hmm. So, like, an example of a marketing channel that creates immediate demand for that is very simple. Instagram DMs. Like... So simple. Mm. So I'm saying, I, you got to wipe your mind for a second because you have an audience and and you run one of the most successful podcasts out. So you got to bring yourself back to before you had a podcast. Mm-hmm. Okay? Picture you have no audience at all. A demand-focused marketing strategy is a direct DM to someone asking them to buy your stuff. <laughs> okay? okay? That I is like demand-based this. marketing. Mm right? That's borderline sales. So demand-based marketing is where you go right for the throat. I built my business to $1.5 million using primarily cold email. <laughs> I cold found email. Okay. I found attorneys' email addresses. 
and I reached directly out to the decision maker and asked them to buy my product. I didn't play any of the, oh, I'm going to build a brand and have all these followers. No, I went, I'm going to collect money from this person using cold email. So I built a cold email strategy. That is a demand-focused marketing strategy. Right for the throat, right to the decision maker. Don't play this tap dancing of, I'm going to build an audience and grab all these followers and maybe, just maybe, they'll buy from me. Because people are inspired by you and they want to build what you built, like a podcast, like you Mm -hmm. built. But sometimes it's the wrong timing for that. So what we need to do is we need to get our team and our business to that million dollar mark going right for the throat. Got it. And a lot of people take too long to grow their business past the million dollar mark because they take too long building a brand when it's too early. They should just be, they should just be reaching right out to the people who can buy their stuff. I got it. I got it. I got it. Because obviously that, um, that will spark more testimonials, more people talking about it. You're fulfilling, um, your, your audience. And I guess it kind of gets some word of mouth going in the beginning and accelerate revenue. Yep. So what I'm saying is if, if you want to add a million dollars onto your business in one year, go directly to the people who can buy your product or service. Got it. If you want to take five years to get there, do branding. Build a brand. <laughs> like, right? Anybody feel attacked? Anybody here feel attacked? Okay, okay. good, good. Because we are too cool. We yeah. like too cool yeah. to just go at it and DM somebody. <laughs> All right, so okay. awareness is the next phase. That's what you've mastered. You've mastered awareness. Awareness can take you from that two, three mil mark, one-ish mark to $10 million a year. Without a real valid business model, you can build a $10 million business on just a crazy strong brand, right? Sell a low ticket thing, you know, 49 bucks a month. Uh, sell a, uh, you know, mid ticket thing that's around 7K. And then I, high ticket is where we're like 30K plus on the offer, right? So you can choose one of those three models, 49 a month, that's low ticket, 7K, 30K plus, right? So you have these three models. And then you plug a brand into it and you become unstoppable, right? So you've done this with Social Proof Podcast. Neo and Marcus Farney have done this with their brands. Uh, Circle of CEOs, everyone Circle of CEOs has done this, right? They build a brand and then they all have different offerings. You know, Alex Burton has a low ticket offering. Uh, Marcus and Neo, they charge a lot of money, right? Yeah. And and Marcus also has lower offerings as well. Um, but awareness is where we leverage Instagram content marketing, YouTube, um, TikTok, whatever it is to get attention and to turn that into buyers. Yeah, this is actually contradictory to what most people, like I I would say like 90% of entrepreneurs go, because they just go straight to, let me create cool videos. Yeah. Let me me create cool content. Yep. Versus doing the work to drive revenue. Yeah. And I'm only sharing my, like I'm sharing my experience. There are people who have done mixes of this. It's not black and white, but in me scaling from zero to a $45 million valuation company in four and a half years, like this is what I swore by is going directly for the throat for the first two years, two phases of business growth, and then expanding into awareness marketing. Got it. For me, that was learning how to do webinars, how to do virtual events, how to do interviews like you do. That's where I started interviewing all the thought leaders, which build our email list. Um, and then that's where we turned it into uh, us learning how to sell from stage. Um, where is 80% of our business comes from now. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we can go into that. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, and we will, Bill. Yeah, we yeah, will. yeah. So the fourth phase 
is the management phase. Now, most, I'm going to say this. I'm sorry for everyone listening. Okay. Most entrepreneurs don't have the intellectual humility to manage their business. I need an explanation. Okay. Most entrepreneurs make enough money to be the most wealthy person in their family. Milk. <laughs> it's so important that black voices are represented in black media for so many different reasons. And the next generation of black uh, voices and influencers from black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collections, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. And every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective. From Bobby Smyrta to The Wire, Michelle Obama to reparations, there's no limit to the range of black stories, black truths. I listen and I'm enjoying these conversations that are for us, by us. Black representation, again, it hasn't always been uh, shared from our perspective. And black perspectives haven't been censored in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. Here are a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center black voices. It's NPR. Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as very nuanced and black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen to the Black Stories, Black Truths on NPR, wherever you get podcasts. Scout their skills, get to a certain level where they're just like, yeah, I'll just milk this out until I die one day. Pocket whatever I'm pocketing and won't learn how to manage my company, won't learn how to become a true leader. And they stop. So what is management? Management is how you scale past $10 million a year. And management is where you learn how to transfer all of your skills and abilities to others, where you become a full-time coach, right? See, a lot of people, I, I know you have, a, you have a big following. A lot of people build coaching-based businesses. It's the, fast, it's the fastest growing niche right now of all verticals, other than like um, this one technology. I think it's like, um, it's a specific subset of blockchain right now that's growing really fast. It's like a payment technology within blockchain, but mm -hmm. then it's coaching businesses, just rapid growing right now. Um, because as we've approached an information society, there's so much influx of information that people need help disseminating it and people need coaches. Um, gotcha. it's, it's crazy. Um, so the management phase is where you learn how to take whatever you've been doing coaching. Let's say you have a coaching program and you're coaching other people. You learn how to take that internally to your team. Mm -hmm. You learn how to coach your chief operating officer. You learn how to coach your uh, salespeople. If you have a sales team, you learn how to coach your marketing team. If you have someone on your marketing team, you actually learn how to take everything you do for your clients and customers. And then you gear it towards your internal team and you make them champions and you make them a lot of money. And when you make your team a lot of money and you make your team very happy, they make your clients a lot of money and they make your clients happy. So now instead of you having to inspire however many people you have in your program, you know, how many people you have in the morning? About a thousand. A thousand people in the program. 
You're inspiring these thousand people all the time. Now we got to take that and inspire everyone on your team just as much as you spend inspiring the thousand people that are in your program. That's good. And then that's where exponential growth comes from. Can you give me an example of that in your business? Maybe somebody you've like coached to become that person that inspires everyone else, your customers, clients. Yep. Uh, The first role in any business is you got to delegate a function of sales. Some way, some shape, some form. So the first example of this was uh, this dude, David Lockmer. He was my first sales guy. Um, And I remember, it's so funny. In entrepreneurship, as soon as you get good at something is right about when you should be giving it up. You guys were just talking about replacing yourself, right? Yeah. As soon as you get really good at something. Yeah, you got it. You got it. As soon as you get, as soon as you achieve mastery in something, you need to give it up. You need to delegate it. You need to assign that responsibility to someone else. So as soon as I got great at sales, I said, okay, great. I'm I'm maximizing my sales abilities. So I'm going to stop doing that and train someone else to do it so that they can do that while I go do something else. That is multiplication. So now... What happens? Most people aren't willing to have the intellectual curiosity it takes to manage their business, right? Well, most people go, well, I don't want to go through the two to three months to train this salesperson to be 50% as good as I am. They'll never be as good as you, by the way. So you got to hire two people to replace one function that you are excellent in. So most people aren't aren't willing to hire two people to replace themselves for that role. And on top of that, they're not willing to have their revenues dip for the two or three months you're training that person and have also the risk that that person quits. And because of those three risks, people just go, you know what? Screw it. I'll just keep doing my sales until I die one day. And you study this stuff. Yeah. Like anybody like see your whole business as he's all like, how did he know? <laughs> how did you know that, bro? Goodness gracious. Okay, yeah. so... So sales is the first one. Then you got to... The, the scariest thing right now for me is... How do I delegate selling from stage? Neo and I were talking about this in the car today. The one thing that Neo and I have not replaced is our ability to sell from stage. Got it. Because you're so good at it. That's scary. You're but, good at that. But it must happen. It's not a maybe. It has to happen at some point. And that person is going to sell half as good as me. And you got to be willing for them first few events to not make as much as you would. Yep. How do you start the process? <laughs> Ready? You create a detailed plan. And do, no. Okay. <laughs> you hire the freaking person. Now, today, you, you just hire the person. I've used this thing called the progress triangle <laughs> that is the cheat code mm. in, to make rapid progress in your life. Pain of payment, group accountability effect. Pain of payment? Pain. I'll, I'll explain them. Pain of payment, group accountability effect, and calendar effect. Okay. So if you look at it like a triangle, at the top of the triangle is what's called pain of payment. Pain of payment is the most powerful psychological trigger in the human brain to impel action. Pain Mm. of payment is when you spend a heaping sum of money on something, you are a thousand times more likely to take action. That's why when people buy an expensive coaching program, 80% 80% of the reason they get results from an expensive coaching program is because they're committed. Because yeah. they've gone through pain of payment. The beautiful thing about pain of payment is there's only a few things in the human brain 
that can release the happy hormones, dopamine, okay, and the stress hormones, cortisol, within a short time window together. So when you buy something expensive that can benefit your life, you're going to feel uh, dopamine release, happy hormone. You're going to be like, yes, I just took action in my life. And then you're also going to feel what's called buyer's remorse. Simultaneously, you're excited and you're scared. And that concoction of excitement and fear is the best human motivator. That's why spending money, I just said this earlier today, this is why I have an easy access wallet, I call it, all right? This is how easy it is to get my card out. <laughs> all right? I need to have easy access to my credit card. I, I need to be able to invest rapidly, right? I need to be able to not think about it and embrace pain of payment everywhere in my life. That's why I spend $600,000 a year on coaches and mentors. Golly. Because I have to. I'm, I, I, I need the answers. I must find the answers. And if it means I need to spend a half million dollars a year, to get those answers, I'll do it because I know I'll take more action if I do it than if I try to do it on the cheap or if I try to do it with free YouTube nice. videos. So you saw me, you and I met in Myron's mastermind, 50, well, 155K, right? <laughs> okay, uh, war room I'm in, okay? I do strategic coach. Um, I do, it all adds up to like 600 grand. Um, I, I'm, I'm personally coached by the former chief operating officer of 1-800-GOT-JUNK, Cameron Harold, who scaled their company to 106 million in five years. That's where I'm getting my information from is people who've been there done that, right? So I pay him 50 grand for one call a month. 50 grand a year for one call a month. So is it valuable? Months. Oh my God, yeah. Yeah, but it's what I bring into it. I don't just go in and go, what are we gonna talk about today, Cameron? No, I come in with, hey, Cameron, specifically when you're hiring an executive VP, what are the pitfalls? Because mm -hmm. he's hired 6,000 people at 1-800-GOT-JUNK, right? <sighs> so you get, because I'm pot committed because I, I spent the money. That's pain yeah. of payment. Then group accountability effect, which you leverage because you're in all these masterminds yeah. too, right? Uh, group accountability effect is when you get around a crowd of people who are doing bigger things than you're doing, immediately your standards raise, right? So think about it like this. I mean, Immediately, which is crazy. We were just in a room, like you said, of the average person in the room doing 30, 40 million. Yeah. Average. Average. Yeah. Average. Crazy. Okay. And you and I are sitting there like, this is the craziest stack room I've ever been in, right? And what happens in group accountability effect, think about it like this. If you think about it from a fitness perspective, <laughs> are you more likely to follow through on your fitness habits if you just privately put it in your phone and say, I'm going to work out at this time every day for the next two months? Or are you more likely to work out if you have someone, a, a fitness trainer in your calendar you and him both accepted the calendar invite. You've committed to that person on the phone that you're working out with them every day this week. You're, you're 800 times, actually, statistically, you're 800 times, 800% more likely to follow through with your fitness commitments when there's just one other person in that calendar invite. And then the calendar effect is where, show me what's pulling you forward. Show me what your commitments are. And here's the thing. I, I know what you're committed by, I know what you are committed to by your wallet and your calendar. Show me your wallet. Show me your calendar. I will report to you as a forensic detective what you're committed to. <laughs> Don't tell me what you're committed to. Show me what's in your calendar and, and show me what you have spent money on in the last 30 days. I'll, I will report back to you what you're committed to. Your commitments are your current results. Okay? The results you're getting right now 
is what you're committed to. Ah, it's too true. All right, man. We got to change the subject because I'm feeling <laughs> well, I, I'm hurting right now. Like, oh my gosh. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. And this is what you drive through your company. This is all culture. Like, that's why we haven't had one person leave our company in years is because we want excellence. And we're clear about that in our hiring process. Um, we've had to hire a hundred people to have the 50 that we have full-time on staff right now because we fire people very quickly. And we explain to them that working at our company is like working for the Navy SEALs, right? There's no pats on the back for, hey, adequate performance gets a generous severance. <laughs> adequate, if you, if you perform just adequate, okay, great. We'll, we'll, we'll buy you out. We'll give you a good two-month lump sum, right? You can go find another job where average is tolerated. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. What about those that are executing? How do you view those? Hey, uh, if they're executing on an upward trend, then we're looking at that positively. If they're executing to pretend that they're busy, then they're probably gonna be out too. Like I used to, there was this guy who worked with me. His name is, well, I can't say it. Um, yeah, I definitely shouldn't say that. Um, but this guy Let's who worked with Joe. me. Yeah, we'll call him Joe. Uh, he worked with me, right? And Not Joe. No, no, no. I didn't mean that. It was no, an average. No. Tim. Which is, <laughs> Tim, his Tim, name Tim. is Joe. I'm sorry. Yeah. Tim. All right, we'll I call promise. Him. I was throwing a name out there. Yeah, yeah, Tim. yeah. Tim, 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 please. All right, so the guy's name's Joe. No, I'm just kidding. No, no, yeah. um, all right, so Tim, Tim, Tim. So this guy, he would, he would be at the office earlier than me. Mm. He would leave the office after me. Mm. And I thought, as an entrepreneur, I thought, dang, I'm getting a deal from this guy. He really cares. And then one day, I looked, he was managing all these clients of ours in our marketing company. And I looked at the results of his clients that he was managing and all of them had crappy results, right? And he wasn't reaching deadlines. He wasn't getting things done on time. There was no punctuality. It was all done this person's own way, right? And one day I woke up and I said, you know what? I'm not gonna tolerate fake action in my life anymore. I'm not going to tolerate people running around like they're busy all the time because if you're running around like you're busy all the time, what were you doing during the prime time work hours? Mm. Why are you running around? <laughs> like Ray Dalio and Warren Buffett and Mark Cuban, are, they're not running around. Yeah. Like they're, they're calculating their actions and they're doing highly effective actions with every minute of their day. The more successful the person the more likely it is that they manage their day in 15-minute chunks. Talk, you're talking good, Bill. Explain it. Explain it. Yeah. Dude, like if, if every hour is worth, you know, what, you know, some people ask me like, what, what would it take to get an hour of your coaching? Like 100 grand. Like $100,000. I would consider it for. Because it's, it's not about the $100,000. It's about the opportunity cost. I could have been focused on this big $4 million event we have coming up in that hour I spent with you. So I'd rather not take the cash, Yeah. right? Like I'd rather not take any of it. So when you're operating with that, so if you do the math, I don't have my phone on me, do the math real quick, divide 256 million. Thank you, Neo. We got Marcus and Neo behind the camera right yeah. now. And make sure you, right? um, you call Kevin O'Leary real quick. Just yeah. While, yeah. while right. we're here. You know I mean? So let's, 256 million is the target. Okay. Mm -hmm. If I divide that, so if that's per year, okay, there's 52 weeks in a year. So 256 million divided 52 means that my week 
is worth 4.9 million. And then if there's 40 hours in a week, my hour is worth $123,076. So they got to pay at least that. So here's the thing. People operate financially based on where they're at now. They don't operate based on where they're going three, four years out. Dang, I'm a now operator. Bill. So I was talking, uh, you know, it's funny because I was with Neo, so I keep pulling him up. But, you know, he, he said, I have to attend these three meetings today. And I asked him, okay, great. Would the CEO of a billion dollar company be attending these three meetings today? He's like, uh, uh, well, I got to do it one. I got to do it one time, you know, one time. And then it's done. And I was like, would a CEO of a $16 billion company attend it? Would they, Neo? No. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's delegated at that point. All mm. you need to get paid to think. But at, at, at whatever level we're on, we got to do the stuff. Yeah. What's up, podcaster or soon-to-be podcaster? Get ready to level up your podcast game because the number one podcast education summit of the year is back, and it's bigger and better than ever. I'm talking about the second annual podcast summit happening on July 4th and 5th in the content creation capital of the world. You already know, ATL, baby. Atlanta, Georgia, going down July 4th and 5th, two full days. Imagine this. Imagine you getting all the game you need to take your voice, your brand, your your business to the next level. Imagine getting all the insider tips. Imagine getting all the know-how that you've been craving for the last two, three, four years where you're talking about you're going to start a podcast, but you haven't yet because you don't have the tools, you don't have the tips, you don't have the tricks. I don't care if you're just starting or you're a seasoned pro. This summit has something for everyone. Picture you mastering the basics of setting up your podcast or unlocking the secrets to grow your brand on social media. We're not just talking about podcasting here. I'm talking about you want to build a long form catalog, whether it's skits, movies. We got people talking about script writing. This is an incredible experience. Imagine, imagine discovering the art of securing these lucrative sponsorship deals. And that's not all. Learn the ropes of creating a pitch deck that has sponsors knocking down your door. But wait, 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 wait. There's more. This isn't just a summit. This is an experience. I'm telling you. Rub shoulders with industry leaders. And you got to network with the other people that are doing what you're doing. All the guests that have ever been on Social Proof Podcast, I'm giving them a free ticket. And in exchange, they promise me that they're going to sit down and do short interviews with you. We got podcast booths for our VIP members where you can sit down, pull somebody to a side, and you're going to create content in real time. I know what you're thinking. How do I get a part of this podcasting paradise? Well, it's simple. All you have to do is head over to podcastsummit.com, grab your tickets now, but hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, because I have something really, really special for you. I got a little treat for my early birds, people who take action. The next 20 listeners and only 20 listeners who get your tickets right now, okay? I'm not only going to give you 20% off of whatever ticket level you get, you get 20% off, but if you use the promo code Big Deal. It'll take 20% off immediately, but I'm also going to allow the first 20 people to listen to this right now to be able to bring a friend, bring a teammate, bring a partner for absolutely free. You get general admission, they get general admission. You get VIP, they get VIP. Whatever ticket level you purchase, you get to bring a friend, partner, colleague, boo thing for absolutely free. Nothing extra required. My team's going to reach out to you, get your partner's name, or if you don't have the person you... No, right now, yet you got time, no pressure, you get us back. But use that code big deal that triggers to let us know you get to bring someone for free. So don't wait, 
Secure your spot at the number one podcast education summit in the country. Join us July 4th and 5th in Atlanta. Let's turn your podcast dreams into a reality, y'all. Head over to podcastsummit.com. Use promo code big deal at checkout and get your tickets now don't miss out on the opportunity to take your podcast to new heights take your brand to new heights take your business to new heights with this unprecedented offer okay i'll see you at the summit and don't forget to use promo code big deal yeah and and immediately run away from the stuff as soon as you master it yes that's a good reply yeah. That's sort of like a liability. That was good. I didn't yeah. expect you to come back. Your, so your assets, all assets become liabilities and your deepest skills form your deepest ruts. All assets become liabilities. Can you explain that? Because I think I heard that at the, at the mastermind, but I didn't get it. Yeah. So all assets, if you know how to uh, sell from stage, that is an asset. Yeah. Very few people know how to sell from stage. What's going to happen is you're going to, you're going to, maximize that asset so much that your entire business becomes dependent on you selling from stage. I'm only talking from personal experience. And now I have to rebuild my business to create a self-policing sales team, which is going to take over a year for me to do. It's going to be really hard because I milked my asset out so much that it actually became a long-term liability for the value of my business. Because you're the only person that can do it. Right. And same thing with if you're great at sales. If you're great at sales, you're going to maximize that to the point where you're selling everything and here's you're going to scare away great salespeople because you need to be the best salesperson, right? Got it. So is every gift you have on the opposite side of it is limiting you. Remember this, when they value companies, valuation experts, and I went through this, they look at the gifts, everyone listening? Yes, Okay. absolutely. The gift of the CEO is usually the biggest risk to an investor. Dang. I'm talking statistically. The gift of the CEO is the biggest risk. Yes. Right. And the areas where you are the strongest is where your team will be the weakest. You're right. Okay. Yes, I understand. Yeah. I understand. It's going, it's so you crazy. think that as a CEO, like I'm gifted, this is what I do mm-hmm. and we feel it's a strength. You need to maximize it if you maximize it to to end up a year or two from now with excess pots of cash. Okay, great. I'll give you a permission slip for a couple of years to maximize your gifts. Mm. But when you're, let's, I always ask myself this, I actually do this when I meditate. What would the 20 years older me value today? What would, what would the, the 20 year older you value today? So I'm 31. So what would the 51 year old me value today? Just an interesting question to think about. Yes. Because it, it causes you to question immediate behaviors that are instant gratification. You would respect 20 years from today, you doing the hard stuff that didn't have an immediate return. You would look back 20 years from today and go, dang, I can't believe I gave in again to that immediate instant gratification. <sighs> I see. You value I the see. hard stuff when you look back over your life. That is quite a perspective to start looking at. Yep. Whatever I'm doing right now, just ask myself, would I be proud of the thing that I'm doing right now later? Yep. And the answer is some things. Yeah. 
some things I can I can clearly see, mm-hmm. like the fact that let's just say I built this studio. I yeah. think twenty years ago I'd be like, yo, that was the first step. But there are some things that I'm saying, yo, why are you taking this? So I'm about to take this uh this contract that um I'll go back and forth to L.A. once a month. Mm-hmm. Now I think it's cool because I can like interview people on the West Coast and I'll be out there. But now I'm starting to think, is that is this particular contract or the thing that I'm going to take going to make my 20 year from today person proud saying that was the right step? Yeah. Or would I say, I sh- if, if I had to look back, should I have done something else? Yeah, it's a tough question. Like the hardest, if you want to go from being a millionaire, which by the way, no one should be setting the goal to be a millionaire. I mean, why in your right mind would you want to be broke? I mean, like... <laughs> So, so millionaire is broke? Is that? So like a millionaire is the new like 100 grand a year. Like it's, we got to speed this crap up, man. Let's do a million in in your first year. Like just take the time out of the equation, like make this your standard and just make it happen, right? But the difference between a millionaire and a multi-millionaire, a decamillionaire is the management portion and or the branding portion. The difference between a deca-millionaire and a billionaire. What's deca? Deca is 10. 10, okay. Right, so gotcha. 10 million plus, right? Okay, gotcha. The difference between a, a deca-millionaire and a billionaire is primarily around delayed gratification. Meaning investments that don't pay me right now or like people that are acquiring all this real estate right now, it doesn't spit off money right now. Right. But so I'll give you a quick example on this. And I, anything that's delayed gratification, you're going to question. You're like, ah, I should go get, get rich quick. Mm-hmm. Right. But for me, like I made a decision when I started the business that I'm only doing recurring revenue. Like I don't, I don't collect lump sums of money from any of my clients. It's all recurring revenue. Why? Because recurring revenue is delayed gratification. My clients Typical client pays us around seventy to eighty thousand a year. The lawyers that we work with, I don't receive that payment until the end of their full first year with me. I receive one twelfth of it every month. That forces my team to be awake for those twelve months. That every month we're over delivering, so that come month thirteen, at the end of that first year, that client happily renews with us. So I built. My, the reason why we got the valuation of the business we did in such a short time is because my clients renew with me for the second year. Yeah. So think about this. <laughs> if you were to build, let's say, uh, let's say a $1 million business. And by the way, I know I should be dumbing it down right now, but I'm not. No, you're, okay? this is perfect. Like, I, I want everyone listening, raise your standards. Like start talking about $10 million every day. Have it become normal because it is normal. Right? Like, it's not a big deal, right? Marcus <laughs> is behind the camera going, it's not a big deal. right? <laughs> so, so, like, the, the most important thing that I followed was, let's say you have a $10 million business. Okay, I'm increasing it. $10 million business. And all of that $10 million repeats the second year. It's really cool. Now, all you need to do is make another $10 million the next year in the same model. Now you have a $20 million business. Now, this is where it gets crazy. You make another $10 million the next year in that same model, you're, you have a $30 million business. 
Now you put upgrades in place and you give clients ability, you know, your customers abilities to upgrade within that model, a compounding effect happens. And if you ever want to sell your business, your valuation, our, our valuation was like an 18x, it was uh, about an 18x multiple, 13 to 18x multiple. Can you explain that? Yeah, so the way most businesses get valued is a an X, like a you know three X EBITDA, EBITDA, earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization, which is essentially net profit, right? right? So the net profit, let's say a million dollar business, net profit is twenty percent. That means that business is profiting two hundred k. Gotcha. A three X EBITDA multiple, a three X net profit multiple would mean that that business is worth six hundred k cash if someone were to buy you out. Gotcha. Right. So you start adding zeros after that, your valuation multiple goes up. When you surpass $10 million as a company, typically your valuation multiple will double. Say that one more time. With nothing else changing, by the way. Say that that one more time. So when you go from running a $5 million business Mm -hmm. to a $10 million business, as soon as another zero is on your gross revenues, you get double the valuation multiple. Got it. So if you were a 3x net profit multiple, you'll go to 6x. Got it. So for doing nothing more than growing your gross revenues, you've doubled the value of your company by hitting the $10 million mark. Got it. That's why it's smart for a lot of people to think about partnerships. Um, Think about this. If you are doing 5 million a year and another person is doing 5 million a year and you were to join forces, nothing changed. All you do is join forces. And now you, you each of your net worth just doubled. Gotcha. Nothing changed. That's why they do what's called conglomeration in business is they conglomerate businesses together to bring more padding to the financials so that the business's financials are more secure and the value of that business goes up exponentially. That's why if you sell your business to a public company, Public companies, they can get in excess of 20, 30x multiples. Sometimes, Brandon Dawson, who we heard from, he sold for 77x multiple. When you sell- Which means he was doing what per year? He was doing like two and a half in EBITDA. Two and a half million in profit. Two and a half million coming home. But didn't he sell his company for like 125 or something? Yeah, so it's 125 divided by 77 would be his net profit because he got a 77x EBITDA. How doing, bro? He was doing less than $3 million. In net profit. In net profit. I don't know his gross revenues. He may have gotten a 1x on his his gross revenues. Who knows? 1x on his, let's say he was doing 150 mil gross revenue. Maybe he got a 1x gross revenue. There's so many different ways to value this. Okay, I was about to say. So it doesn't matter. Yeah. But if you sell your business to a public company, yeah. you then get stock in that public company for selling your business and your net worth could go from 3x, whatever you're profiting, to 30, 40, 50x, whatever you're profiting. Got it. Got it. Okay. So t- I didn't Are you even- going too crazy? This is amazing. First <laughs> off, I really like, I have so much work to do. <laughs> Tell me about your business model. No, first off, yeah. forget that. Yeah. I mean, I'm interested, but not really. Twenty $20 million. Yeah. You want to help someone make $20 million. Mm-hmm. And we've we've done that here. But for my business, I'm just going to be selfish for a minute. Mm-hmm. So I have this studio. 
How do I make 20 million, bro? Um, you'd have to franchise it. So you'd have, you'd have to have multiple locations. I, I, you, I don't think you can make, unless you do rev shares with people, meaning you, you earn a percentage of the revenue that they get from their podcast, which I don't. Well, I'm you, actually about to produce Marcus's podcast. So get some money from him for sure. Get a percentage. Yeah. We do rev shares, bro. Forget that little <laughs> money I told you every month. <laughs> Whatever you produce out of this Studio 5, um, piece. Okay. Yeah. It, it, so ultimately, to get $20 million from a podcast model would require franchising. You would have to have a proven model. So like uh, the founder of Shake Shack wrote a book on this. Um, oh, what's the name of it? I forget it. But if you, if you type in Shake Shack founder book... Um, and Texas Roadhouse. Somebody find it? This. Somebody look it up? Come on, guys. Execution, yeah. y'all. Yeah. Come on. So let's talk about um, execution. But Shake Shack, they spent... Now, I don't agree with this. I think it's way too long. He spent setting, setting the table. table. Yeah, setting the table. Right, um, setting. And this book was written from the founder of Shake Shack. And he talks about how he spent like 15 years mastering the craft of one location. Mm-hmm. And so you're saying that's too long. Yeah, it's way too long. Like, take a couple of years and then duplicate it. I think I think it was lack of courage that caused them to not do it, right? <laughs> Just start duplicating faster. Shout out to Shake Shack. <laughs> you guys weren't courageous. Speed it, it up. So Speed it up. Yes. That's, those are my three favorite words in the, in the English dictionary. Speed it up. Speed it up. Take time out of the equation. Let's go right now, right? Um, so, I the, the takeaway there is that he found one franchise prototype, i.e., one successful location. He took all the common denominators from that location and then he plopped Shake Shacks all across the United States. And that's where they got exponential growth. Same thing happened. Uh, the, if you have not, everyone listening, if you are listening right now, you need to read the book E-Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber. That's our next book club book. Yeah. Actually, yes. E-Myth right? Revisited. That's our next book. Well, not yeah. the next one, the one after that. Yeah. yeah. So I've interviewed Michael Gerber two times, uh, the author of E-Myth and founder of E-Myth Worldwide. And Can you get him on the podcast? He's very old. He just had a heart attack. Um, but maybe. He, he's more open. He wears a fun, funny top hat. Um, but he wrote his book on the McDonald's franchise prototype. There's another book that everyone should read called The Making of McDonald's. That's the subtitle. It's called Grinding It Out. And that's by Ray Kroc, the founder of McDonald's. The same exact model they used to scale McDonald's was used to scale Shake Shack. And it's the franchise prototype model. Uh, Dick and Maurice McDonald were the founders of McDonald's. They had one location. You know what they were? They were passionate about making the best hamburger. And that's why they didn't grow. Because their their gift became their limitation. <laughs> You're talking good, Bill. Right? They love creating the best hamburger. We'll never expand because we'll never be able to have these standards go to other locations. And Ray Kroc come in, come, comes in. Dude, he was a milkshake salesman at 50 freaking years old. A milkshake machine salesman. Going to fast food restaurants selling milkshake machines. And he said, that hamburger was so good. I want to spread it across everywhere in the United States. Hey, y'all, I ain't going to lie, man. They sent me this Yuffie lock. Think about being on a couch. Someone rings the doorbell. Your child left their key at school, and they 
need you to get off the couch to open the door. Well, you don't have to do it anymore with this Eufy lock. You can open, unlock, see who's at the door all on your phone. It's super easy to install. You can set up with just a Phillips screwdriver, no drilling required. It's keyless entry. So it's no more fumbling for your keys when your hands are full coming from the grocery store. 0.3 second fingerprint recognition. Listen, you put your fingerprint on there, you don't have, even if you got you got your bags, you put one finger out there, boop, you get to unlock your door that way. No battery anxiety. You don't have to worry about the battery dying. Quick charging, it's incredible. Also, passcode unlocking and remote control with a 2K clear sight camera so you can see who's at the front door. You're in control anywhere from the app. Enhanced night vision. It's absolutely incredible. No monthly fee either. So unlike other brands that charge a monthly fee, you have you have uh, recordings locally, and you don't have to pay for the storage. Customer support is on 10. Listen, Eufy is on standby for you 24-7, so you can enjoy a worry-free experience with an 18-month warranty, all backed by our professional customer service team. Listen, you can contact them anytime, telephone, email, or live chat. Okay, listen, you need this Eufy lock. You need to look it up. All you have to do is go to the official website, Eufy, E-U-F-Y dot com. I just ordered mine, okay? I love this product. It is incredible. It's a game changer. It makes life so much easier, right? So if you have a video doorbell already or any smart lock, it's, 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 it's time to replace it. It's time to replace it. So listen, search Eufy. E-U-F-Y, video lock. Search Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y, video lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com forward slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Okay? You can get a complete control of your front door, your life, back door. Incredible. Okay? So search Eufy, E-U-F-Y, video lock, or visit eufyofficial.com forward slash video lock states and the franchise model of mcdonald's was born mm. dick and maurice they didn't see what ray a Kroc saw they felt slighted they oh you know ray Kroc doesn't understand quality craft craftsmanship of of hamburgers you know why mcdonald's was such a success wow. it wasn't because they were in the hamburger business it's because at first they were in the first mover advantage business they were in the first mover's advantage, meaning nobody else was doing it. And then, yeah, and then they went into the real estate business. So the first mover advantage business means that they were the first people to streamline a drive-through model. And it used to be a drive-up model mm-hmm. was what it used to be. So drive-up model means that people would drive up in their cars, get out, grab a burger, and then they'd eat outside, like benches and stuff That's outside. Sonic. Yeah, exactly. That was the That was disruptive. They had first mover advantage right when Ray Kroc came in. Ray Kroc, he said, that needs to be everywhere in the United States. And he did it. And that first mover advantage is why a company, McDonald's, that doesn't make the best hamburgers anymore, is the most profitable hamburger chain by far exponentially compared to any others on the planet. First mover advantage. Then, no yawning. All right. We don't yawn, nah, I'm bro. just kidding. Um, <laughs> This is what I do in my office. I, I, I antagonize <laughs> people sometimes. Um, but the uh, 
the first mover advantage concept is actually how every multi-billion dollar company in some way, shape, or form happened. Amazon was in the first mover advantage business. They were the first people to provide easy access to an inventory of books. You look sleepy, Neo. Come on. All right. <laughs> they were the first people. Guys, this is an important concept for everyone. Like I'm you locked decide. In. I'm locked in, man. You decide the energy that you bring to every second of your life. Mm. Right? How, how deep are you breathing right now? Like, what's your posture like right now? How are you feeling right now? That's going to be directly reflected in your bank account. <laughs> Raise it up. Come on. All right, I'll stop. Go ahead. <laughs> we we got to stand up more. Okay? We all got to stand up more. Okay? If you just made, if you, you just made a $10 million investment, you'd be like, let's lock in. Like, you would not be like, <laughs> No yawning. <laughs> All right, man. I always say yawning is a sign of lack of attachment to purpose. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's intense, man, but I, I won't go back to where I was four and a half years ago. So. Golly. Bill, this was amazing. I really, I, like my mind is full. Okay, so the only way, first off, okay, only way I'm going to make $20, $20 million dollars is one, I just got to go bigger, first off, mm -hmm. faster, and start thinking franchise model. Yeah. You, you got, so you got for me? The, the, tactical, the tactical way that you're, that everyone listening here is going to make $20 million as a result of this episode is they are going to, it's going to be counterintuitive, they're going to milk everything possible out of their gifts until it becomes a liability. Yeah. Don't give up your gift until you have excess cash in the bank. Yeah. Don't deviate from your gift. Milk it out. Get as many people to pay you for your gift until you have excess cash. Then reinvest that excess cash first into direct demand marketing for your service, direct mm -hmm. outreach to your service. Then get more excess cash from that and invest it in branding. Then delegate your gifts after that point, once you reach around 10 million, delegate part ways with some of your gifts, hire people around you to do the things that you're strong at and learn management, learn how to inspire and grow a team around you so that they can replicate your gifts. It'll take two of them per gift, mm -hmm. right? So that you can multiply your abilities. That, that is the cheat code. And then embedded with, make sure you're choosing the right industry that's recession proof. If you can, or create a recession-proof offer to your current niche, right? And then, obviously, charge enough money, yeah. right? Like It's really, really hard to make a lot of money charging low prices. Um, so that those would be kind of my points. And then, as you're going through all this growth trajectory, we have to start thinking about franchising. If you think about your business as a franchise that you were going to sell to someone else, and say, hey, it's 100K to buy a franchise, just like when someone buys McDonald's, how documented would your processes and procedures have to be? Man, very detailed. Right? So get it, all these things out once you get to that growth level that you want to be at. All this stuff out on paper. Get other people trained on it. And now you can choose to scale nationwide, global, maybe other planets. This is a really good conversation, Bill. Would you agree? Oh, yeah. You gave a lot of information. 
Yeah. This is like one I would have to study and I'd yeah. have to rewatch. I don't, I don't watch all my interviews back, like yeah. all of them, because I was there, right? Mm-hmm. But um, this is one I think I would have to say. Did we miss anything? We didn't even talk about how, how we sell from stage. That's. I, don't even I mean, know. Let's, let's go for it because I suck <laughs> right now. I am terrible. I've been through some training and I'm still not good at it. So, so how do you do this? Oh, man. Oh, God. All right. How much time would you need? Give me, I, give me the clip because we might have to just have another. Yeah, interview. yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So, all right. Mm. So, here's the thing. Okay. Events like talk about magic, not Magic Johnson, um, because we interviewed him at our last event, but like talk about magic. Like, if you can learn how to master the perfect webinar format, which is Russell Brunson created, and master that over multiple days. <laughs> it's it's this the biggest opportunity right now for people to collect money. I mean, it's it's insane. So in a in a Cliff Notes version, I think the most important thing when it comes to making money through events, I mean, first of all, you got to watch what we're doing. I'll, I'll give you guys a link at the end of this where I can give you my templates on how we run events and stuff. But you, the first step is you have to schedule the date of the event. Like, sure. right, like right now. Like schedule when the, ev- the event is going to happen, the date and the name of the event and start promoting it that day. So if you're listening right now, this this requires no research. This requires you opening up the calendar of your phone. I'll wait. Go ahead. I, and while they're doing that, literally, so he's at that mastermind. That's that's the same thing uh, Grant said, right? Mm-hmm. You just, what he said, idea, promote, promote, create, yeah, then deliver. Yeah. So I was in the shower this, uh, this past Saturday and I was thinking, yo, I got to like execute on this stuff. Mm-hmm. So, I, I I just text my team like yo, the uh, I think it was September twenty second. We're gonna do a podcast boot camp because I've been thinking about it for the last couple of months, mm-hmm. right? I'm just gonna pick a date. It happened to be the wrong date. We're actually doing it October six. Yeah, but and at least like the worst put, thing that happened. Say it again. What 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 happened when you picked the date? When you had to change it? Um, one nothing really, but at, like they're starting to work on the, the website and all that kind of stuff. And then Neil says, yo, we're getting an award. Yeah. At uh, at ClickFunnels, and it's that week. I'm like, all right, bet. I looked at the calendar again. October 6th. This is the date. Mm-hmm. Let's go. Let's lock it in. Yeah. Everything's being built. Uh, we got a whole waiting list. Mm-hmm. We can only sell 50 tickets, but it's it's like locked in. Yeah. And everything's pulling yeah. now. Yeah. Only because I just made the decision. And I said, let's go. It's the it is the most most people. You shouldn't listen to anything I'm about to say unless you do what David just said. Schedule. The freaking event. Name the freaking event. That's the most important part. Everything else I say is meaningless if there's nothing on the calendar. So I'm actually looking in the room. Let's do it right now. My event's done. I'm locked in. Yours on the calendar. You got one? Let's go. Yeah? All right. All right. All right. Just making sure. So now that we have something to look forward to and a date tied to it, we got to sell tickets. Very Mm -hmm. simple. We got to sell tickets, start virtual, never start with in-person events. Always start virtual to dial in your pitch, right? No, I'm doing in-person. 
Well, that's because you're, you're a master of communication. Like I'm saying for people who haven't done this before, yeah, for sure, do virtual because there's too much of a sunk cost for in-person events. Yeah. So sure. make it a virtual event so you can practice your pitch, practice your content delivery, see what people resonate with. It costs you nothing to yeah. log on Zoom. Now, here's the funny thing. What's the worst thing that happens if nobody shows up to your event virtually? You feel away. You, you, you what? <laughs> you feel away. You just no, feel. No, no, no. You, you feel embarrassed. Right? Like, they don't no, no, no. You click record Zoom meeting and you just record yourself going through your content with no one there and it becomes YouTube clips and Instagram clips. That's the worst thing that happens. Let's go, Bill. You're talking good right now. That's it. So I, 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 I'm not going to be able to do it justice. The bottom line is this. Every successful event must come with a movement. If you want to sell, if you want to sell millions of dollars through events, you have to have a movement tied to the event. So the best way to get started is to ask yourself, what related to my area of competency do I want to create a movement about? So what I said when I started doing events for lawyers is I said, I want to fight against the law firm complacency epidemic. Too many law firm owners are complacent in their businesses. And my job over these three days is to teach all of us together how we can fight back against the law firm complacency epidemic. Mm -hmm. So that movement became way more than an event, right? So all of our first events were actually movements that just happened to be events, yeah. right? And then once it's a movement, people are emotionally bought in, right? More than just, oh, I'm going to learn something and get sold something at the end. So. The most important part, once you get people onto the event, is obviously we use celebrity speakers. So that really helps with getting registrants, right? right? So we'll pay speakers anywhere from, you know, 20 to $160,000, $200,000 plus to be at our events. Um, and that's so worth it because when you're trying to cut through the fluff in your market and they see a familiar face, they're more likely to click register. Yeah, right. So sure. celebrity positioning until you have the money to invest in celebrity positioning. The only thing that's going to get people to register is the theme of the event, i.e. the movement. Yeah. Why is someone going to see your Facebook post, your Facebook ad, your Instagram post and go, yes, I'm going to extend two days of my time or however long the event is. Yes, I'm going to extend two days of my time to learn this topic. So you have to must, must, must within seconds show people that they are going to make 20 times their time investment mm -hmm. by attending your event. So when we write landing pages for our events, it is dire urgency, urgent, alert, alert, alert. If you miss this event, you are go costing yourself $2 million. It's not just, oh, how to, grow, how to grow generally on social media, how to grow your community. No one's going to sign up for that unless you have a brand. People will sign up for how to make $2 million, free money, click here, right? So it's got to be such an urgent promise because the true sale is not the ticket price of the event. The true sale is the time you're asking of them that they will never get back. So when you're creating the framing for an event, it has to be around how they're going to get an exponential return on investment from the event. Yeah. Then when you get that right, the rest is easy peasy. You have to show social proof in the beginning, ding, yes, ding, right? You got to show authority quickly. You got to tell them clearly why. Whoa, hold on, hold on. I'm, I'm texting this to my team in real time. 
So I, I talked about urgency, a bunch of FOMO. You said we got to show authority. Yeah. And I'll so put this, my, I'll put this in our, in our free tools bundle as well, but authority. you have to show urgency, okay. which is in the theme of the event. You have to show authority. Social proof is authority. Yep. Pictures of you with celebrities, pictures of successful people who have already implemented what you're teaching. You so authority d- needs to be framed not as bragging, but but as hey, we've had so much success with student one, student two, student three, student four, student five, student six. We 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 couldn't handle the questions, so we decided screw it. We're just going to put on an event and answer all the most common questions that we have. That's produced these results for these five people. Makes sense? Yes. Put a yes in the chat. Right. So <laughs> right. Um, All right, so show authority, urgency, and then um, picks to meet with other people, the testimonials and stuff like that. Yep, and then we have, and then we have the the two promises of the event. Two so we promises. call it the two big promises. Promise number one: I'm going to deliver X Y Z value to you. I'll deliver so, okay. um, whatever the name of the event is. I'm going to deliver X Y Z value. I'm going to give you everything I got, the best of the best of the best stuff I got. Promise number two is I ask in return that you take action on what you learn. Is that a strategy? Yes, because we're trying to create buy-in to the fact that we're going to ask them to buy something. Hold on. I mean, I'm sorry, not a strategy, a promise. So the first promise is I'm going to deliver this Uh, value and give you all the stuff that I know. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park I promise. I'm promising them I'm going to give them my best stuff. Yep. And then I'm asking them for a promise that, that I'm asking you to promise me, audience, that you take action on what you learn. Ah, oh, that's good. And if they accept that, they say, yes, I will. And they'll buy. And then you say, after they say yes to the two promises, then you can go. And at the end of this event, I will be making an offer where you can Turn your maybes into must. Turn your interest into a formal commitment with our group of rapidly growing people who da 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 da, right? So you want to be transparent about the fact that there's going to be an offer here. Otherwise, people will feel bait and switched, right? And then we go into... Oh, so, that, so you're saying you're put, you put the fact that are going to sell something else mm-hmm. in the copy. Yes, in in the actual delivery of the event, not in the copy. Uh, okay, guys. Gotcha. Okay, yeah. Okay, so when you're delivering the event, you want to be transparent that I'm going to give you all this value. All I ask is that you promise me you're going to take action when you yeah. see something that resonates with you. And we're going to be making an offer for those of you who are super committed to turning right. your babies into must and interest into commitment. So now, from this point, you've done celebrity positioning. You've done the two promises, right? Yeah. And And then... The important thing is the transition into uh, 
into the big domino and then the three secrets you're familiar with? Nope. So big domino is what is the big what is the big delivery of the event? When when this event is done, and it's on the copy of the website. It'll be it can be on the copy of the website and when you're delivering the content as well. When this event is done, you will have learned this, this, and this. You will have implemented this, this, and this, right? Mm-hmm. So that's your big domino. What will you have learned? So Russell Brunson says, how to make, uh, you're going to learn my crazy weird funnel that makes $17,000 a day and how you can ethically rip it off to get the same results for yourself. That's like his famous perfect webinar funnel, right? So that would be your big domino. And then you have your three secrets. Mm-hmm. And your three secrets are the three methods through which you will be conveying the value of the big domino. And there's secret number one is a vehicle. Secret number two is uh, internal. Hold on, belief. this is not what you've learned. What you're going to learn. No, th- now we're on to the three secrets. Okay. Yeah, the three secrets can be what you're going to learn. Now I'm diving into those three bullet points, I see. right? I see. So, so secret number one, secret number two, secret number one is always the new opportunity, the vehicle. Secret number two is you have to shatter their internal limitations of why they believe that this new opportunity won't work for me. And then you have to shatter their external beliefs as to the economy. I don't have the money. I don't have the, so I'm, I'm not going to go into the weeds here. But again, I'll give you guys this in the tools bundle, but I have this written out. The most important thing is this. If you want to sell stuff through an event, get in the belief selling business. Mm. All you're doing is selling beliefs when you sell from an event. You're selling the belief that this new opportunity will work for you. That's the vehicle belief. So for example, Neo did a great job with this with event spaces. Yep. His vehicle with his event space events and webinars, everything he sold, the new opportunity was how to use event spaces to make X thousand per month without XYZ pain point. So it's always a how to get X benefit without Y pain point. How to without statement. How to get X benefit without X, Y, or Z pain point. How to make $1,000 a month using events without the pain and stress of blah, 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 blah. How to... Right? So that's the new new opportunity. Right? And then we have the the second secret is how do you overcome an internal limitation to where people go, "Ah, yeah, that event space thing sounds great. I believe Neo, but I couldn't do it. Hmm. So we have to solve the insecurity of our audience feeling like, yeah, that's great for David, but I can't do it. What are their internal limitations around your offer? There may be 15 internal limitations, but it's always going to come down to some form of uncertainty. Right? What are the internal... Internal limitations. limitations. Internal limitations are going to be ability is at the top of the list. It's always going to be ability. I am not able to do this. Okay. You solve ability and then the most, the next most important one, money. There's no way I could spend the money. You solve ability and money. 
and they and you convince them that the new opportunity is real and can work for them, chances of them buying goes up quadruple. Just there. Ability is, no, 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 you do have the ability to do this because here's case study one. Here was someone who started with nothing and here's how they got through this and accomplished this. That's ability belief. Money belief is we have to get them committed. The only reason someone will not spend money on your offer is when they are not doing the upside math. The upside math. Upside math. What do most people do when they see an offer or a sales pitch? They go, how much is this going to cost? That's downside math. They're looking at what it's going to cost them. They're not looking at what it's going to make them. So when you, you need to train your audience to do the upside math before you ever give them their price. Here is the money that you're going to make. Anytime you run from the money, they don't buy. Again, do not sell how to build a community or how to build a podcast even. Because that's not money. What is money is seven-figure podcast model. How to build a seven-figure business off of strictly podcasts. Now you got my attention. So now when you go and tell them it's 50K or 20K or 30K or 10K or whatever, they go, oh, I'm committing to a new future of a million-dollar podcast. This is nothing compared to that. So now we saw ability and money belief. Those are the two top internal beliefs. Then the last belief is external belief. So Russell Brunson did this during one of his recent webinars. Um, and what's going on right now? A couple over the past few months begins with an R. Recession, right? <laughs> Everyone's talking about the recession. That is an external faulty belief right yeah. now. There's no way I could invest in this because yeah. the recession's coming. Yeah. Right? We have to handle that objection. So share stories about how how did someone grow their podcast through a recession? How is a recession actually your best chance to grow your podcast? As an example. So yeah. now when we when we have all these things working and then you give them a price, you've you've already handled all their objections. Golly. They, they believe the new opportunity. They believe that their internal beliefs are false, which they are. Because yeah. if one person did it, anyone can do it. Yeah. And they do not believe their external limitations. I 100%. And all this stuff is in the, the we'll have a link that we can give. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll put, I, I can't believe I'm giving this away, but yeah, I'll, I'll put it in. It's tools.smbteam.com. And I got some top secret stuff in there. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll we'll put a link in there. Yeah, we'll we'll, yeah. we'll figure out how to be. Yo, know, Bill, I I know we're we're uh we're coming down on time. This has been valuable. Yes, y'all y'all agree? This is crazy. We're gonna have, we're gonna have that. appreciate that. We're gonna appreciate have that. to have a, a part two, Bill. Yeah, let's do it. Yo, and we're gonna do a part two because I really just uh need another free coaching session. You know, so, <laughs> this is all this is about. Um. I, I do. I want to ask one more question. Um, this episode was one sponsored by The Morning Meetup, themorningmeetup.com, the only organization that gathers every day to become uh, the best entrepreneur you can be. Every day, we're on. We got a book club. We're all growing together. And in The Morning Meetup, they get to come to these live sessions. And I'm telling you, it's being in the building, watching an episode is much different. Mm. I'm telling you. So y'all need to go to themorningmeetup.com if you want to change your life. Wait, you know, wait, 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 wait. Did you hear what he just said? 
go now, now. Right, literally right now, go to themorningmeetup.com, yep. take the action, yes. pull out your credit card right now. and sign up for it right now. Okay. Just want to make that clear. That was good. Yeah. I need that. How can I hire you to like close all of my podcasts <laughs> like that? <laughs> Yo, Bill, I got to ask uh, one question and then, uh, then we'll wrap this thing up. Where do you see yourself in the next five years? And the reason I'm asking is because I want you to tell me today where you see yourself in five years because this podcast is going to live longer than five years mm -hmm. and I'll be able to come back to this episode and say, yo, Bill said he's going to do that five years ago. Look, it happened. Mm -hmm. $256 million a year. A year? Yeah. It's very simple. Very simple. Yeah. I've, I've been writing that goal down for every day for... I, I write my goals every single day. I've done that every day for... Six years, yeah. So, two hundred and fifty. What, what do you think you'll do with two hundred fifty-six million dollars a year? I just, I love the game. It's not for the money. It's just, I, I want to prove to myself that I can double my revenues every year for ten years. That, that's the hypothesis. So it's just, it's like, it's like a sports game. Like, I just, I'm just, I'm addicted to progress. I just, I want to see the, I want to see the scoreboard increase. I'm addicted to it. Yeah. And it just so happens that I need to become a better person to deserve 256. It just so happens that to deserve. I, I need to deserve the leadership skills that are required for 256. I need to deserve the impact I have on my clients for them to shower me with that level of growth. Like I believe that revenue growth goals is one of the most noble. It is the only form of freaking honesty nowadays. Okay, like when someone comes and helps wash your car, Myron said this, right? So someone, uh, someone comes to like clean your car window and you are getting gas pumped and they're like, hey, you want me to clean your car window? You feel like, this is person cleaning my car window because they want to tip, <laughs> right? That's not, that's not transparent. Like every motive we have is some way, some shape tied to money. And the faster we can come to terms with that, the more honest we become as people. Like, let's all help each other make a lot of money and be great people in the process. You got nothing to hide. Yeah. If you're a great person, go make money. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much, Bill, man. Please, um, one, again, thank you. And uh, this has been like game changing. <laughs> I know this podcast is going to do a million views very short period of time. So thank it. you for allowing me to have this million view podcast. Yeah, hey, it. absolutely. You manifested it though. Well, you told me to. Yeah. <laughs> so um, let, let, let us know how we can find you, Bill. And then I need you to close this out with a word of wisdom. There's somebody mm. that is listening right now mm -hmm. who even after this podcast, they're like, yo, it cannot be me. I can't be the person that's going to win. Yeah, yeah. So let us know how to find you and then close this out. Yeah. So uh, best way to find me is follow me, Bill Hauser Biz on Instagram. Bill, H-A-U-S-E-R-B-I-Z on Instagram and you can see me, uh, I wake up early every morning and I post it every single day I've done for years. Um, and you can watch my morning routine there and, and scoop into my life. Uh, and then at tools.smbteam.com um, is where you can get all of my best business growth tools from my 600,000 a year coaching budget, uh, which mm -hmm. we put all in one place for free. Um, and then the third place would be uh, SMB Team's YouTube channel. We're not close to you, but we have, <laughs> you know, at the time, it's going to be funny to see like five years from now. At the time, we have like 
6,000 subscribers. So um, yeah, appreciate that. We put out really, really tactical uh, business coaching information on our YouTube channel and it's called SMB Team, S-M-B-T-E-A-M. So those are the best places to find me. And then um, obviously you can always uh, email me directly, bill at smbteam.com. And I think that's it. Well, let's start with a word of wisdom, brother. So word of wisdom, I would say for someone listening right now who's like, maybe this isn't for me or maybe this was just a short little motivational session. Because right now, most of you are listening to this on YouTube, right? That's where most of it comes from? Well, a lot of it comes on like the audio experience. Okay, so audio as well. So right now, when this podcast ends, there's you have a shelf life of about 10 minutes of energy when this podcast ends. When this episode right now ends, you have about 10 minutes to make a change in your life. 10 minutes, 11 minutes, 10 minutes in one second, the energy you felt through this podcast will be gone. So my invitation for you is do something right now. As soon as this podcast ends, do something the second it ends that scares the crap out of you that you know for sure will benefit your life. That's my motivational message. I love it. Listen, man, we cannot close it out no better than that. We can clap that up, guys. We cannot close it out no better than that. But man, do yourself a favor. Do yourself a favor. Go follow Bill. Lock in with Bill. And also go get you some social proof, meaning go build something really, really, really big. But you have to come back to your community and teach them how you did it. It's the only way our community grows. All right? We are out of here. Peace. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.